guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks guys, now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Well, hello there, friends. Welcome back to Mimosa Sisterhood. This is your host, Melissa, and you are back listening to the number one podcast in the world that celebrates women's voices in stories past and present. I actually just gave myself that ranking. There's no factual evidence in me being number one, but let's be real. I'm number one in my heart, and I'm number one in your ear holes. So today we have another everyday woman themed episode where we get to sit down and chat with a real life human being who is kicking ass and taking names today in the world. And today we have Chloe Owens on the podcast. And I'm so excited about this, guys, because she was actually recommended by one of our audience members, which is the core of Mimosa Sisterhood. Looking around at the women in your life and thinking, damn, this bitch rocks. I'm going to recommend that she is featured on one of my favorite podcasts because her story is amazing and what she's doing is amazing. And I want her to share all of her magical words and wisdom with other women in the world. I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but like, that's rad as fuck. So Chloe is a visual storyteller based out of St. Louis, Missouri, and she has such an interesting background, skill set, passion. She's been able to take that like technical experience in social work and implement it in a world that is far more aligned with her soul's purpose, the arts, film, photography, documentaries, and is doing social work through these unconventional outlets. So she's doing what she went to school for, but in her own way. And I really love that. And to be honest, like, I very much relate to that because I went to school and I majored in sociology. I wanted to go get my master's. I wanted to get a PhD. I wanted to become the social researcher. I've done none of those things. Fast forward 10 years later, I now have a podcast that celebrates and amplifies women, which like kind of is sociology, right? (laughs) So it's very funny because we actually talk about this quite a bit in our podcast episode, this concept of like always knowing in your core who you are, what you love, what you're passionate about the things that inspire you, that fuel your fire, and sticking to those. Because if you don't, you're going to go through this big whirlwind of an adventure that just does a really sharp U-turn and brings you right back to the core. So that's life, you know? That's, That's just life. So Chloe and I have an amazing conversation in today's podcast episode. We talk about so many important current event matters, so many of her projects that she's either done in the past or is doing or on the horizon. And she's just really contributing in such an incredible way. And I cannot wait for you to hear all about it. But before we get started, just a couple quick reminders. Please be sure that you're subscribed to Mimosa Sisterhood on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to stay in the loop when new episodes release because they will appear direct to your phone the moment that they drop. We also have a kick-ass bi-monthly newsletter. Yes, that's right. It used to be once a month, but this month I am making it two newsletters a month only because I'm breaking it in half and making it shorter. Nobody wants to read a novel when they wake up at 8 a.m. on a Thursday. So I'm going to shorten it down, break it up into two separate newsletters. And to make your lives a little bit easier when that email hits your inbox, but you haven't even had that first cup of coffee yet. So if you are interested in signing up 
for my kick-ass newsletter, which includes so much cool shit like women's history articles, female fun facts, featured female artists. You can do that on my website, www.mimosasisterhood.com, and you can subscribe on the front page. And even better, if you go to my Instagram page, Mimosa Sisterhood, and click the link in my bio, you will see a really cool option called free postcard. And if you sign up to the newsletter through that link, you will not only get my incredible newsletter sent to you twice a month, but you will also get a free postcard sent to you by me in the mail. And it may or may not include a couple extra goodies. So yeah, lots of cool shit out there for you to take advantage of. You should get on it. Okay, well, let's get into the podcast. It's time, guys. Without further ado, grab your enormous bottle of wine because we're partying on tonight's episode and meet Chloe Owens. Chloe, thank you so much for joining Mimosa Sisterhood Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here, you know, on a podcast. (laughs) Yes. It's just a regular Wednesday afternoon in my life. (laughs) Exactly. Just here, wine. I'm telling you, I was watching a Law & Order SVU marathon before this, so totally Amazing. (laughs) I love it. Well, I don't know if you know this. Maybe you do. I think I actually already told you. But you are the first person to ever be nominated to be a everyday woman on the show. What? No, I didn't know that. That's so I didn't tell you that? What? No. <laughs> oh, maybe I missed that in my initial intro when I reached out oh, to you. Man. Yes. So a long time ago, I, on Instagram, did an Instagram story throughout those questions. Is there anybody that you know in your life that you think would be an awesome person for me to talk to and chat with on my Everyday Woman series? And... You were one of the people that was recommended. And now here That's we are. That's too funny. That's too funny. <laughs> so cool. So we have a common friend, Taryn Moore. Taryn. Oh, how do you know Taryn? We went to college together. We were both sociology majors at SF State. Nice. Nice. I met Taryn when I lived up in Boston and did City Year. I don't remember when I met Taryn up there. That whole time is a blur. For good reasons <laughs> that don't have to do with alcohol, but with <laughs> AmeriCorps and helping children. <laughs> but Taryn is wonderful people. Wonderful people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. She was one of my handful of friends when I was in college. I only had enough to count on one hand. That's all you need. That's all <laughs> right. you need. The other hand is for wine. And so you are good. Absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, shout out to Taryn. I know you're listening. I love you, girl. Thank you for hey, being Taryn. here for years. <laughs> you're the best. Wonderful. All right. Well, cool. Wonderful. Well, so we're going to dive into why you're here, why Taryn recommended you to be on the show in just a minute. But let's get to the most important stuff, the V-no. V-no. <laughs> There's a saying, um, water is life. And I think wine is water and therefore wine is life. So when you say like, yeah, we can drink on here. I'm like, great. Let's pour it up. I'm ready. Let's yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just get the get the blood flowing, you know? Exactly. I feel so like I didn't have too many options tonight, though. My like wine stock is low. But good. I've got this wine. It's called Paso a Paso. It's a Spanish Tempranillo Spanish red wines, I think, are the best red wines. It just is what it is. They just they just know how to do it. They know how to do it. They know what they're doing. Oh, God, I could go to Spain right now with this glass of wine. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had a Spanish wine. Is it similar mm. to, like, is it just red wine? Or is there, like, a particular varietal to it? So those are all great questions. <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) No worries. I am no wine expert. We've literally 
had Coors Light reviewed on this podcast before. So we're okay. Listen, all I know <laughs> is like this, like a tempered Neo is pretty like popular type of Spanish wine. The other one that is probably my most favorite is a, I hope I'm saying this right on a podcast, LOL, is a Grenache. Oh, those are so good. I can't describe it for you. All I can do is find a good one, whatever that means, and try it. And it's it's the bomb. It's so Perfect. good. Adding so these to good. the list. Yes, yes. So cool. Okay, well, so what you drinking? Nothing that exciting either. I actually had to run to the corner store to get a couple avocados for dinner. And I was like, oh, I'm going to browse the wine section. And me being me, I always go for the most affordable bottle I can find. And it popped into my eye because I'd never seen this bottle before. And then I noticed that it claims it only has one gram of sugar. And I'm like... That is so interesting because I thought wine was like all sugar. How are you having only one gram? What is this blasphemy? So I'm like, I want to see what it tastes like in case it's like shit, you know? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like everything, like diet, it sucks. It's horrible. (laughs) Let's see how bad this can be. It tastes no different than any other bottle of Sauvignon Blanc I've ever had. So this is called Liquid Light. It's a Sauvignon Blanc. It says it's vibrant, crisp, and refreshing. It has some interesting looking pebble next Look to it. Look at that. Look at the little rainbow. Oh, I it's know. a rainbow like for pride. Right? I was thinking that too. I'm it's like, totally it's June themed. 2nd. We're kicking off pride. And this one gram of sugar wine is actually bomb. So I don't know if it's like benefiting my health any more than a different gram sugar wine. But it's not bad. So if anybody out there likes wine but hates how sugary they are, try the Sauvignon Blanc Liquid Light. It's One really good. Gram. I yeah. just I need to know how they pulled that off. I I feel like now I I just like I don't know anything about wine anymore. I'm like, doesn't how? I mean, fermentation doesn't alcohol is sugar. I'm confused. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I it, If it tastes good, I got a good buzz going. The label's cute. Those are my requirements. That's really all that matters. <laughs> Those are the key elements. Right? Does it taste good? Is it cute? Am I buzzed? Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> so super cool. Super fun. Yay. Oh, and the best part, it was a whopping $7.99. So happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm talking about yup so mm-hmm, cool mm-hmm. so yeah let's do a nice little cheers one last sip cheers. and we will be diving in here we go oh bomb so good so good <laughs> okay cool so uh, the reason why taryn recommended you for this podcast was specifically due to Your most recent project, or what I think is your most recent project, but you'll be the one to tell me that, which is the Window Quote Project. And I want to talk a lot about this, but I was thinking, you know, you can just start. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, where you live, what you're doing, and, you know, kind of just like the path of your life that led you to the year in which you started this new project. Yeah. Oh, man. I love the whole like, where did you like, who are you? And (laughs) up until I'm glad like now we're doing this because up until recently, I swear I didn't have any type of answer. I'd be like, I'm me. Right. What do you want? But I have to start off everything by saying I am born and raised Memphis, Tennessee, 901 forever. I don't like Tennessee, but Memphis is a wonderful, beautiful place. Also, number one in the United States for barbecue. I will die on that hill every day of the week for the rest of my life. So originally born and raised in Memphis, but currently right now I am in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I work right now as a story bank manager for a health-focused organizing and advocacy nonprofit. Um, We do a lot to make sure that everyone has health care and in a state like Missouri, that's really hard. <laughs> oh man. It's but you know what? We don't we don't have to get into that. We don't have to get into that because we're gonna put that to the side because that's a Perfect. whole podcast. Perfect. <laughs> but 
you know, I love the element of it that I do, which is really, it's just storytelling. Like, you know, every, everything that we do and all of the, the work that needs to get done to change things, part of doing that work to make it happen is to tell people stories. And that's what I get to do every day. And I love it. And sometimes when I look at how I got here, I'm like, there was just nothing. <laughs> I just, I tried to avoid, to avoid this path at every opportunity that I had. Like, I really didn't think I was going to, like, how am I even doing this right now? <laughs> like, when I started, when I was in school, I initially applied for college thinking I was going to be a physical therapist. It was the compromise between, like, my mom wanted me to be, like, a doctor or some fancy surgeon that, like, you know, doesn't have to work except for, like, three operations a year because they're so fancy. I, I don't want to do all that. So I was like, this is a compromise. Like, I'll still be a doctor. Cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. And I applied to St. Louis University because they have one of the best PT programs in the country. And we came up here my senior year of high school for a scholarship interview weekend. And so during that weekend, they have you, like, tour the campus. You get to, like, explore, you know, what your major is going to be, you know, explore that college that it'll be housed in. And so we get over to the Health Sciences College, and we're walking around, and I'm seeing, like, all these labs and these smart college students doing all this health science stuff. I looked at my mom, and I was like, this is so cool for anyone but me i don't want to do this like i i do not want to be a physical therapist um luckily no one heard me say that because they gave me a scholarship and let me into the school (laughs) so you were only going to be able to get a scholarship for that particular program well i definitely wrote my entire essay regarding how i wanted to be a physical therapist which was true it just changed Mm -hmm. so Again, luckily, no one heard me say that, and I played it off the entire time. I got the scholarship. I got into the school, and a week before I got to school, I called them, and I was like, I'm changing my major. I I, I don't want to do physical therapy. So Were they like, what do you mean? Like, Luckily, they were just like, that's fine. Cool. And I was like, oh, thank God. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, so I got to school and eventually kind of found social work at at this weird point of I didn't I I got to the school I didn't really like it I thought there was way too many white folks <laughs> I was like I don't know where the black people are but I can't find them <laughs> um, God I was in my classes I was at that point I had switched to psychology and I was like this is okay, but something's missing. I I was just all over the place. And I was in my dorm hall my freshman year, maybe into first semester. And this like, this girl who lived on my floor, I didn't really know her, but she heard me complaining about everything in the hallway. She like opens her door, creeps her head out and is like, hey, it sounds like you should go talk to this woman named Sabrina Tayus in the social work department because I think after hearing all that you said, you should be a social worker. And then oh, she wow. Goes, Was she like this like beam of an angel that just like made way into your life and like spit major knowledge and everything just changed? That's a much better way to describe it because I think about it in like scary movie terms. Like... It was some like, you know, like that chick from the ring with the center part. And she just like she creeped out and she was like, let me drop some advice on you before I potentially murder you. But I'm going to go back into the room and it's going to be fine. So crazy enough, though, she was right. I went and I I spoke with that woman that she recommended and I changed my major that day. Wow. Um, And I never I never switched back like finding the major of social work was it put words to everything that I like knew I wanted to do that I couldn't figure out how to verbalize. And so while to this day, I will always say that what I do is social work, 
I definitely don't do it in a very traditional sense. And what I thought I was going to end up doing, nothing of what I'm doing now is is what I thought. And my idea of like, I'm going to be a social worker was, you know, I'm going to end up working in a school, supporting students, you know, working against like the school to prison pipeline, like different things like that. But I, I got the opportunity to kind of start that and realized, wow, schools are really, wait, can I swear on here? Oh, yeah. Oh, thank <laughs> I was like, let me not drop F-bomb if that's not cool. No, we're, but... we're R. We're rated R. Excellent. But no, I, I got into these schools and I was like, damn, schools are really fucked up. And there's only so much you can actually do about it. And there's only so many things you can do to help your students while you are working and doing direct service in a school, which sounds crazy, right? Because you're literally like you're right there with your students. You walk in every day. They're like, hey, Missy, what's up? Like you you have that relationship. You have that proximity. And yet your hands are so tied. And. I mean, it was from there I even started getting into advocacy and organizing and things like that. Um, But then once I got into that, I realized I got so far away from the people that I love to work with. I got so far away from working with students on the ground, with their families, with community members. I was in these spaces with like researchers and folks from think tanks and big names and policymakers and I was like man if my students heard the shit that y'all say about we're gonna reform education in x y and z way they would look at y'all like you stupid because mm-hmm. you are <laughs> like you're so out of touch and so I was just constantly trying to figure out okay how do I help amplify the voices of like my students, like their parents, like the folks that they live in the neighborhood with to be in those rooms where decisions are constantly being made because it's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing, right? Like those rooms aren't really going anywhere right now. And so how do we, how do we make sure our folks are always there? And that's how I kind of fell into storytelling. Um, and it just, I mean, the first time I, I got to do any type of a storytelling project, that's a lie. The first time I didn't realize what I was doing. But the first time I got into it and I realized what I was doing, I was like, oh, this is this is perfect. Like, this is this is absolutely how I want to do social work. Uh-huh. Because when you're when you're working with people, you're you're doing work on the ground, you're talking with them about their stories and figuring out the best ways to amplify that and put that in front of folks it's beautiful and then going from that and working with those those very folks whose stories you're helping to uplift to figure out great now how do we get change from this that's beauty right there so i couldn't agree more yeah so that was a lot of long-winded stuff that may not have even answered your question no it was all amazing i have like a couple one question a couple initial thoughts like in regards to the students that you're referring to, what like age group are we talking? Oh man, my sweet spot is definitely teenagers. Okay. I love high school students. Everyone is like, oh, teenagers, hormones, they're horrible and angry. And I'm like, bro, they need a nap first off. Okay. They just need a nap. <laughs> Second off, I mean, like, at least they can communicate and like, sure, they're going to cuss me out. But like, it is what it is. And when I come right back with that fire, they're going to be like, dang, you said that to me, Missy. I'll be like, yeah, you said that to me. Mm -hmm. And then we good. (laughs) Yeah. I spent a ton of time working with mostly high school students. Did spend a little time working with middle school and elementary school. And I love them all. Right. That's not my sweet spot, though. Mm -hmm. It's. My heart is where the teenagers are. <laughs> so cool. So I feel like, I mean, and I don't have a ton of friends or know people that are in social work, but I feel like I've never heard of social work described as a form of like storytelling. Yeah. And I love that 
idea and that concept because that is kind of like really what it is, especially when you're working like one-on-one with people or communities of people who really are using you as a resource for either support or getting help or assistance or guidance. You have to know the story behind the person, the issue, the community, the movement. (laughs) And then you have to take it and do something with it. (laughs) Exactly. It is... It is so integral to what social work is at its core. You know, what I love about the profession is that we have like this code of ethics that we're held to. And one of the things that I love about it is you're always pushed no matter what level of work that you do, whether you do direct service, whether you're doing um, work that's kind of more meso level, like groups and things like that, or whether you're doing big macro level work like with, you know, communities, with states, with governments, you always should be looking at the other levels of like, how does this impact in those ways? And how am I making sure that I do something more than like what I do with my nine to five? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was thinking about doing direct service, it's not just like, how am I working with individuals, but how am I also working to impact systems that impact the individuals that I work with? Because the goal should always be if we are supporting people who are, you know, marginalized, oppressed, um, who are pushed out, cast out, ignored, like, how do we work ourselves out of a job so that, like, we don't have to do that anymore? Which, you know, is a lofty thing, right? Like, how many of us are really going to work ourselves out of jobs? But how many of us are even trying to do that? Yeah, that's the that's the heavy question there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to like sit with that thought for a while. <laughs> Let it marinate. Let it marinate. Oh <laughs> Marination wow. takes at minimum two hours. So. Yeah, I was like, I realized that I wasn't done thinking about it. I'm like, okay, we're going to have to log this for later once the podcast is over and the wine is more than half gone. <laughs> exactly. Right. Wine helps. Great, great part of marinating. Oh, my God. <laughs> so very interesting. Now, I know that in addition to social work, you have so many other things that you do that are not social work at all, but like basically use your social work experience and interests and passions and like combine them as one. Yeah, so pretty much. You're a photographer, you make documentaries, you're into film. Tell me all about that. And I guess my one initial question is like, what came first, chicken or the egg? Like, was the photography and the film sort of something that built off of your initial career plan in social work? And you almost you're using it as a way to just like expand on that? It was, film was a complete accident. Like, so the first film that I made, which it's funny, if I go back now and watch it, like I cringe, I think about all the things I could have done differently because I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, yeah. Um, Don't listen to the first 20 episodes of this podcast. (laughs) Right? You understand? (laughs) Oh, my God. It, like, pains my soul. The person that, like, finds a new podcast and, like, let's start it episode one that was produced four years ago. And you're like, please, dear Lord, don't Don't do do it. it. (laughs) It's like, please start at least sometime in this year. Just forget everything else before that. Uh Uh-huh. But my first documentary, I was a senior in college. And I promise you, the reason that this thing came to be, I had an honors capstone that I had to complete, and I just didn't want to write a paper. Simple as that. Like, I I refused. I started, I just didn't want to write a paper. And so I was like, oh, you know, there's these last, like, at that point, three years, there's been so much going on with black students on campus. Um, I'm going to make a video. <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to make a video and it's going to be about what it's like to be black at SLU. So, oh boy. Um, it was the summer of 2014. And I had spent the entire summer doing all of this research about 
black students who go to predominantly white institutions, blah, 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 this and that, you know, preparing like, who do I want to talk to? Who am I going to want to interview? I get done with my the research phase and I'm kind of like at this point ready to go. I've reached out to folks. They know what's up. They know that I'm going to contact them about being interviewed. Um, school is about to start and August 9th happens and Mike Brown is murdered in Ferguson, Missouri. And I'm at school in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and it completely, I mean, it changed the, it changed everything. Anybody who was in St. Louis at that time can tell you it changed everything. And it, it has to this day. And it's, (laughs) it's actually pathetic when you watch that documentary, you kind of have no idea that that was happening. But what I know is that it changed every single interview that I conducted during that time. It changed Mm -hmm. everything that everyone said. And I remember I I got done with all these interviews and I was putting the film together. or I was kind of like looking back through them and I was like, I'm not going to have, I went to my advisor. I was like, I'm not going to have any, like, this isn't going to be a, like, what if I don't even have a minute of content? Like, I don't think I can get you a full minute. Like none of this shit is making sense. None of it's coherent. None of it fits together. And she was like, if you have less than a minute of content, you have less than a minute of content. And then I came back to her like two and a half, maybe three weeks later, and I had 50 minutes. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I sat down. I was freaking out. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, I don't really know if like I did any of this right. But like when I went back through all the transcripts, like I just put all these things together. This seemed to make sense. <laughs> And she she sat down and watched it and she looked at me and she was like, this is great. I was like, really? (laughs) I was like, I'm pretty sure she lying to me. But, you know, I was like, I mean, cool, cool, cool. You like you think it's you think it's cool, whatever. And so I, you know, I took it. I showed it to some more people and they were like, bro, this is important right now. Like, what are you going to do with this? And. At that point, I was like, well, I'll, you know, publish it to I'll put it on YouTube um, and I'll send it around to like different faculty at the school. Um, And at that time, we had just gotten a new president of the university. And so me being like, he seems to check his emails from regular ass students. I'm going to send the president an email. (laughs) So um, I sent it around and then I did a couple of talks on it like the following year because I had a couple of professors use it in their in their class. But when I went back and like I really let it marinate like what I had done, I was like, "Oh, that's fucking social work." Yeah, right? Like, that's absolutely like there was a problem that needed to be amplified. It needed to be fleshed out and talked about. I put this thing together and then it was like, all right, what are we going to now? How do we use this to do something about it? And to be fair, there was a lot more that could have happened from it. And that's fine because I didn't know what I was doing. But I was like, oh, yeah, I could I could do this. I could do that every day. Mm-hmm. And before I had applied to my MSW program, because I ended up getting a master's in social work, there was a brief period of time where I was like, maybe I'll go to film school. <laughs> Then imposter syndrome totally took over. And I was like, no, I can't do that. (laughs) But as I kept doing the social work stuff, like I just kept thinking about that. I kept thinking about that film and I kept figuring out how to do more opportunities like that. No matter where I was, I was carving out like, well, how can I do projects that were like that? Mm -hmm. And that kind of so that really led to being able to develop any kind of of film and and video expertise um and the photography as well because at that point i got into that um i think it was my last semester of grad school (laughs) and i finally realized that i had decided to get a master's in social work and i wasn't going to be a social worker Mm -hmm. And I had spent three semesters playing social worker. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. And I called my grad advisor and had a mini breakdown of like, hey, no big deal. 
we've been planning for three semesters now that I'm going to do some policy and advocacy job and maybe like work in government or for an elected official and I don't want to do any of that anymore and I have a semester <laughs> left what now uh how do we rewind <laughs> right I was like I'm pretty sure I want to do this thing called storytelling can you help me <laughs> and amazingly she was able to help me she connected me with this woman named Lindy Drew who started Humans of St. Louis and it's actually the second largest humans of page only mm-hmm. behind humans of New York. And Lindy is the person who taught me how to photograph. Um, she really helped me hone in my storytelling skills and ability. And I mean, from that, I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this every day. We literally would go outside and talk to strangers and take their pictures and record their stories. Like, let's go. Yeah. So <laughs> cool. That's awesome. I do have a couple quick questions before we get too far. So the documentary that you did in college, it was called The The Black Experience? Yeah, The Black Experience at St. Louis University. Yeah. Not at all related to what it's about, though. Okay. Well, I was wondering, well, what my question was going to be was, like, what are some of the, like, highlight key points that you can recall that maybe came up often in that documentary like were there maybe a handful of things that you maybe heard more than once from multiple people that you interviewed yeah that's a great question because what I found is that there were two I would say two really like specific experiences there was kind of the I would call it like a black out of body experience that's looking around at trying to fit into this really white space and going like just finding it extremely difficult to be able to do and reconcile being there with like who that person was and the other being like completely and utterly assimilated like blackness to a point is gone. Like they've they've just so heavily assimilated into whiteness actually Mm -hmm. is is really what it is. And so what I tried to do when I set it up in the editing was really like juxtapose those two things because really every black person has a very different experience when they go there. But those are really going to be the two themes. You have folks who are going to be there and they're just like, this is what we're doing. This is what I've always done. Like Mm -hmm. it's not even a matter of code switching. It's like just merging into that a hundred percent all the time and the folks who are like hitting brick walls trying to get through it every day mm-hmm. and it was fascinating it was it really was fascinating to sit down and talk with with folks about that but one thing that came up with everyone was you know things did need to change there were things that the university was doing that um Things just needed, things needed to to change and and be different. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny to this day, if you go to the, uh, if you go to the video on YouTube, I, every now and again, I still get emails that someone has commented on the video. Um, I think one of the most recent ones was at least last year talking about like, thanks for making this. This was really important. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy to me because that thing came out in 2015, like it's 2021 now. If anyone still finds that relevant, there's a problem. Oh, yeah. Um, and the, un- the unfortunate thing is, like, I know that there are people who still find that relevant. Mm-hmm. You know what would be what I was thinking about that would be so cool because you had mentioned, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. You know, I made it and it's just here. It would be so cool, though, if you did the exact same project like 10 years later. Same campus, same same theme, got interviews, got answers, and then saw it, like, are they exactly the same? Has it gotten worse? Like, have we made improvement? What are people thinking 10 years later? Especially with how in the past year, you know, Black Lives Matter was more than ever on just, like, the forefront of the world. <laughs> Yep. And I could 
I mean, it doesn't actually really surprise me, though, that people have found your video again, because I have no doubt so many people are looking for resources like that to feel less alone in what had been such a horrific year of complete and utter darkness. And so, like, even something that you made in 2015, which really began during an experience in Missouri in which somebody was killed, is still relevant for people that have now are again needing that same thing in a year where people have been killed yeah it's funny i feel like you've been in my google drive because i've definitely thought about doing a follow-up really (laughs) i've literally i'm just like because at one point i came back uh when i came back to missouri it was five years and i was like "Eh, i've got a camera (laughs) i could make it happen just go on campus meet a few folks talk and see how things are going um because none of the folks none of the folks who are featured in the first film are there anymore including i'm pretty sure every single faculty and or staff person oh so you were not just interviewing students you were also interviewing staff okay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wow interesting i'm pretty sure i've tried to keep up with a lot of them over the years they've all left yeah and so it would be fascinating to do like a round two with what would have to be completely new people Mm -hmm. to potentially get what might be the same result Mm -hmm. though a better film because i know what i'm doing now (laughs) well tell us about the window quote project because i know that's something you i believe started was it last year i did i started it last year in oh my gosh it was may of last year so it's officially been just over a year um and it started right after george floyd's murder um so obviously COVID 19 was alive and well um the pandemic was in full swing quarantine was a thing there was just so much happening right there was just so so much happening not only with the the pandemic and needing to be home and trying to like figure out all right what does like life look like now i don't think i realized just how much transition that was until now but then every other day you're getting on social media you're turning on the news and like black people are just dying just it and it just it became like it was just too much it was just too much not that any other time it wasn't but there was there was just it was way too much this time and I felt on the one hand trapped in my apartment but also on the other hand like I just I wanted to get out but I also didn't feel I didn't feel really safe to really leave um on a lot of levels, health-wise, hell, just <laughs> black people dying everywhere-wise. And so I was on the phone with a couple of family members and we were talking about everything and somebody said, you know, hey, have you seen this LeVar Burton tweet today? And LeVar Burton is the guy, some people know him from Star Trek. Personally, I know him from Reading Rainbow. And I was like, the reading rainbow guy? And they were like, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, what does the tweet say? And it was like, "Uh, don't fuck with me today, white people. Today is not the day. And I was like, damn, LeVar Burton said fuck on the internet? (laughs) But I was also like, yo, I feel this. Like, that's absolutely how I feel. And I told, I think it was my cousin, I was like, Man, I want to put that on a dry erase board and just like put it in my window so everyone outside knows that that's how I feel. And then I found a dry erase board and the next day I wrote it on a dry erase board and I put it on my window. (laughs) And at first, you know, it was just kind of this like slick, funny thing. Um, I think I, I deflect a lot of things with humor and so it was... On the one hand, it was a way of being funny, but it really was like, that's absolutely how I felt. Mm 
-hmm. And I felt like I didn't have any other outlets to say how I was feeling. And so it just became really a practice that I did almost every day to find the words that so many other black people have said and put them in my window because it was like, this is, this is how I'm feeling too. Um, and it was nice to, to know that other people were feeling like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it did turn into really a thing that was just for a good little minute there. It was really me yelling at white people uh, <laughs> because I was just, I live in a pretty white as hell neighborhood here in St. Louis. And I was just, I was just sick of it. I was sick of like white people were pissing me the hell off and they, I just couldn't take it. Like, oh, now y'all want to wake up. Now everybody wants to go protest and care and pretend. I'm just like, I don't have, I don't have time for your fucking awakening whites. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm so pissed. But eventually yelling at white people as it always does, it, it gets tiring. And I was like, I don't want to cater to white people, even if I'm yelling at them. Um, and so then it, it became, when I stopped doing that, I, it just became a thing that was like, how am I talking to black people mm-hmm. again? How am I being with like, this is how I'm feeling. And I wonder if, if y'all are feeling like this too and putting that out there. So that's really the project. <laughs> what I really like about it is like, especially being that it was born in the middle of a literal pandemic where we were inside our homes afraid to leave to be around other people thinking we're all gonna die thinking we're gonna kill our grandmas without even knowing it like all this fear and like it almost has this like apocalyptic messaging of like i'm trapped in my house and this is the only way i can communicate to the outside world (laughs) yes Which, which like the year was fucked beyond belief like completely everything was going wrong and like not even just externally socially in the world like in our own selves in our own mental health in our own relationships with our loved ones our families our romantic relationships our friends our employers everything was fucked and like i like feel like it's like this it was this apocalyptic world where we're all just peering out of the blinds and how are who are we gonna see are we gonna see anybody is it a bird what is it a plane like how do Mm -hmm. i communicate to the world what i'm going through yeah you know in addition to this like crisis that's happening with black people being killed there are so many other crises and i feel like the project is just like a perfect visual explanation of just all the crazy that was happening (laughs) I mean, that's it kind of, you know, it could be the pandemic or it could be the purge outside. But like either way, I can probably get my dry erase board and put a fucking quote on there. Right. And just be like, this shit is not okay. No. Help us. And put it in my window and someone is going to see that shit and be like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Have you, has anybody out in the streets like ever responded yeah so oh man it's hilarious like i this is my office and so the board is in my office window which faces out to the street and i always have these blinds open i love to let the light in and so i'll be sitting here on my laptop and i've put the quote up and i love watching people walk by because some people will stop and most of the time i can see them but Mm -hmm. they can't see me (laughs) And I, my favorite reaction, there was a, there was this older white woman and she was like walking past. She was probably like doing a little like midday power walk or something. And she stops. She reads the board. I have no idea what quote was up that day. I I wish I did. And she scoffs. Like she's pissed. She's like, oh. <laughs> And I just, like, see her face, and then she, like, storms off even faster than how she approached. And I was like, hmm, it's working. Cool. Right. <laughs> right? Um, and amazingly, though, this is, like, it, it's in, like, basically the front yard. Only one person has ever caught me putting up the board and, like, going outside to take the picture of it 
only one person has caught me doing this in, in person. And he was like, oh, my God, are you the person who puts up the quotes? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and he was walking his little dog and he was just like, I just want to thank you so much because every day when I take my dog on our walk, like I love coming and seeing these quotes from influential black folks. So thank you so much for what you're doing. So cool. Oh, that's so nice. That is really nice. But nothing is better than the woman scoffing. (laughs) Nothing is better than that. (laughs) I wish that you knew what, what quote was out there. It had to have been... It really hit her, her, that's for sure. She was not happy about it. I've never seen her again. <laughs> she's she's made a point to never walk down your street again. She, mm-hmm, she changed her route. She was like, <laughs> I'm not dealing with this fuckery. I was like, okay, oh my ma'am. Oh, God. Still here, though. <laughs> It's super cool. So do you have any like other projects on the horizon, things you're working up, things you're in progress, like what's coming in the future that we can keep our eyes out for? Yeah. So um, for the month of March, I did for it, it was a part of the window quote project, but it focused on um, amplifying these stories of black women who have been murdered by the police. And that was a really... I loved doing that and it was so it was just sad every day like every day I got up and I I figured out like all right who's the woman who I'm I'm posting their name today and what happened to them and what was their story and I made sure to do it that every day so that I could be active in that practice and by the time I got to the end of the month I thought man first off black women like we're really dope <laughs> Clearly, I knew that before. <laughs> um, but I just I wanted to do something that really centered um, black women's stories. And so what I'm working on now, um, I want to start like a storytelling project specific for black women um, and not on this tip of like, oh, my God, like black women are so excellent. We're saving the world and we're always right. And we know all the things. Because let's get real, that shit is pressure. Like, I don't have time for all that. That's a lot. And, you know, it's wonderful that the mainstream has kind of switched from this narrative of, like, black women are so angry, black women are so bitter, black women are, you know, whores who mooch off the government and X, Y, and Z other things. But what people don't realize is on the other side, Black women are strong. Black women are superheroes. Black women are magical. Black women can do no wrong. Black women are saviors. All of that shit is extremes. Mm -hmm. Like, what about, like, black women are people? (laughs) What about, like, black women do shit and they're like, I'm embarrassed as fuck about that. What about, (laughs) like, you know, like, black women being like, actually, I do want to sit in my sweatpants. What about black women just, like, you know, just being, just, just yeah. being. And so, so this next project, um, which I have no idea when it will really become a thing. It's still in its preliminary phases, um, but it will focus on just, it's almost like a humans of, but specifically for black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, I think it'll be, it'll be really cool. It'll incorporate some like docu style videos, um, and also some portrait photography. I found an old Polaroid, so I'm hoping to uh, incorporate some of that into it. But that will be that will be the next thing for sure. Still got the window quote project going, but mm-hmm. that is where my my energy is and something I'm super super excited about. So cool! So how can we like find out when it's live and in action? Yeah. That is a great question. More than likely, like, folks, if they're the only social media I truly engage in is Instagram because everybody yells at each other on Facebook and Twitter, right. as funny as it is, can be super depressing. <laughs> and they're like, just follow the funny stuff. And I'm like, you can't, I can't be on Twitter and not find out about all the political shit. And mm-hmm. then I'm sad and then I'm angry <laughs> and then I delete my Twitter because right. I've deleted seven Twitter accounts. Oh. Man. So 
folks will know uh, if they're following me on Instagram, I'll do a launch on there. Um, and then it will probably, it will have its own like separate account. So I'll probably cool. get people like hyped up for that release, um, on my personal page. Um, but right now the biggest thing is going to be finding folks who are interested in being interviewed and having their stories documented, um, and their pictures taken for the project. So if so anybody knows cool. anybody, send them my way. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, uh- keep me in the loop on all of this so that I can keep everybody yeah. else in the loop as well. Of course, of course. Cool. Well, I usually always do just like a last little advice section and I already told you whatever advice you have, whether that is navigating what career path, what major you want to do, figuring out your passion project, how do I get into film and photography? Like I want to be an advocate. I want to make change. Where do I start? Like whatever is calling to you in the advice realm, throw it at us. Yeah, I'm so glad. So I thought on this one because I was like, shit, (laughs) I probably don't have any good advice. (laughs) But then I thought about, all right, what would I go back and tell me? Mm -hmm. And it would be, they're going to tell you no, do that shit anyway. Because I took, albeit I'm proud of the path that I've taken to to get to where I am now and know that I needed all of that to get to where I'm going. There was some shit that I knew about myself that I could have held on to that. And I, I just, I should have trusted myself because I knew. But I let other people say like, no, don't do that. Don't pursue that. Like, be smarter, like think about this. Um, And I knew, you know, I've always wanted to do things that are creative. I have always like, I'm the girl, like I have been singing and dancing and painting and drawing and like just doing all sorts of stuff like that since I could basically fucking breathe. Mm Mm-hmm. And so to let anybody, including people who are the most important to me, tell me like, all right, but be smarter about this. Maybe you can do that on the side. Mm -hmm. No, I can do that shit full time because I'm excellent. I'm excellent at what I do. And like, this is what I was put here for. And so, you know, to anybody out there, like there are going to be people who tell you no, but like, fuck that because you know you like trust you. And that that's so hard. So I hope that folks hear that and like know that that's like I hope they give themselves a permission to do that because I didn't give myself the permission to do that sooner and I wish I had. Me too. Mm. You couldn't Mm. have nailed that further on the head in my entire life. (laughs) The things that I was passionate about, loved, dreamed of being when I was in like seventh grade, eighth grade, you know, had all this like emotion around it and passion and drive and excitement. I was told not to to do any of those things. So I didn't. So I've just been dicking around, wasting time for fucking 15 years. And now I'm having to pick it all up at 31 years old, oh, let me get this podcast together. Could have been doing this shit 10 years ago. Could have like- <laughs> been doing this shit. Could have been doing this shit. Damn it. Uh, so annoying. It, it's man. really frustrating. It's so frustrating. And like, I get some of those people, some of those people, like they care and their intentions truly are good. So I really can't like knock them for that. Exactly. And we could have been doing this shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's like, if it's of course smart, I think, to get other people's perspectives, especially family members, best friends, people that are in your, you know, in your direct immediate family, teachers even sometimes, like, makes sense to get perspectives on a handful of people that have your best interest in their heart. But that doesn't mean that they're right. <laughs> And it doesn't mean that they're horrifically wrong either. It's not like they're sending you down this path to get like blown up in a landmine. Like, you just end up up. wasting a ton of time that will eventually do a big, enormous U-turn and bring you right back to where you started. And you're like, okay, well, I guess we'll get started now. Still the same person, still love the same stuff, still want to do the same things, still have the same dreams. Yep. Bummer. And I mean, it's... (laughs) 
Yeah, I just I think about that and I'm 28 and I'm just like, man, there's so many things I could have already been doing. I and I just it is some of this does feel like, all right, picking it up, starting from the beginning. <laughs> years too late. But the other thing I'll say to that is, you know, age ain't none but a number. And even though that song was written in a really horrible context, even though I love Aaliyah, but R. Kelly is horrible. <laughs> it's true. Just true. not what they were talking about. No, no, never mind. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. And send and that you. guy to where he belongs. Just throw him off. Just, oh, God. Yep. <laughs> God. Well, that is fantastic advice. Couldn't agree more. Feel ya on so many levels. And that is something I've been talking a lot about on my podcast lately is learning to trust your intuition, learning to trust yourself, like really like feel in your body, like how, what does this mean for me? How am I feeling about it literally in like the depths of my core? (laughs) And like, hear that. Take that as answer. Listen to the voices. Listen, hear the message and just trust it. Okay, well, I just have one question for you, which is what I just ask all my guests. What does sisterhood mean to you? Oh, man. This is the one question I probably actually should have thought about. (laughs) But, you know, when I first when I first like read that question, At first, I was like, do I even know? Because, like, I don't have sisters. And I was like, that's a cop-out, Chloe. You've got plenty. You just, like, they're just not your blood sisters. And I think there's something to be said about the people we choose to be our family compared to the family that we have. Because we got to take the time to get to know someone and, and really understand who they are and who they are to us and decide actively, like, I'm going to bring you in like you're here and I know you got me and I always got you. And that is to me like, I mean, that's the the crux of sisterhood that that backbone that like everything else is falling apart. But like when I think about my like the women in my life, like we have each other through and through thick and thin forever, always, no matter what, through the fire, through the rain, like through the zombie apocalypse <laughs> it's 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 just oh god i mean there are words that i can't even put to it but there's something about being a woman to bond with other women it's it's just it's a beautiful ass thing mm-hmm. it's it's magic and i mean it's it's knowing like you can go places across the world and know that like there are people who are going to be there that have your back. I don't know. Sisterhood is, is it's a beautiful thing when you can find it, when you cultivate it, um, when we all treat each other like that, when we all really do have each other's back as, as women, that's some beautiful shit. Hell yeah. I will drink to that. Drinking to that. Hey, (laughs) Mm. Oh, wine is so good. Oh, my God. (laughs) So amazing. So amazing. This was such a fantastic conversation. I have to say, you have such a soothing voice. I think you should start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I that I've never heard. No one has ever told me that before. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna like text my boyfriend and be like, somebody today told me that I have a soothing as fuck voice. Yep. So that needs to be a compliment you need yep. to add to your repertoire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very pleasant to the ear. So just oh. log that somewhere and think about it down the line. Lots of projects, lots of projects, lots of future plans. You never know. Podcasting might be one of them. Um. (laughs) Dude, I just want to like thank you. This was so this was so great. And I love that that you're doing this. And I appreciate I appreciate being able to be in this space with you. Like, thank you so much. Of course. I'm so happy you're here. This was an amazing conversation. And 
it's a conversation I've not yet had on this podcast. So I'm just so grateful that it exists and lives here now. And I know there are going to be lots of listeners out there that have been waiting for this and are really happy that it's here. And so just thank you so much. Super excited about it. Thank you. Of course. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Mimosa Sisterhood podcast. Can you think of one person in your life that might really love this episode? Maybe this message will resonate with them very deeply, or maybe they just connect with Chloe and her life experience. If so, send them this podcast episode. You can text it to them, shoot it over via email, or even reshare our social media graphics with them on social media. Don't forget, guys, sharing is caring, and there's no better way for us to continue growing than when you lovely human beings share our podcast with all of your friends and your family. Also, I wanted to remind everybody that we have a podcast phone number, and there's so many ways that you can engage with us through this phone number. You can call and submit a woman of the week. Maybe there is an extra special woman in your life that you think deserves a little bit more recognition. You can also just call and say hello. Tell me who you are, where you're from, how you found the podcast, maybe one of your favorite episodes. I would really love to hear from you and to meet you. Or maybe you have a question. Are you somebody that aspires to become a podcaster? Are you currently working on launching your own business? Maybe you have drama with one of your best friends. Whatever it might be, feel free to call in, leave a voicemail, and I can feature it in one of my future episodes, and hopefully I can provide a little help and assistance with your matter. So lots of fun ways that you can engage with the show. If you are interested, please call 562 270-4914. That is 562-270-4914. All right, guys, that's it for me. I am sending you all the love, hugs, and bobs, and I hope you're all living your best life. Until next time, bye!